Okay, hello, and welcome to a very special episode of Innovations in Education. My name is Kevin Hogan. I'm editor-at-large for eSchool News, and I'm really glad you're here with us today. Uh, why is this a very special episode? Uh, this is actually our first interview with eSchool News' uh, Hero Awards for 2021. Uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, we put together last spring uh, this idea, this program, to collect some of the most extraordinary stories of how educators have responded to the pandemic. Uh, not an easy task. Uh, you can't look at a school, you can't look at a district that hasn't done something extraordinary in order to try to keep their kids connected, to keep their kids safe, or to even keep their kids just feeling safe. Um, so we reached out to our, our, our colleagues, our sponsors. Um, they came up with the stories that they've collected from their own own customers, uh, and it was a tough job because there were a lot of really extraordinary stories. But out of those, we picked three. Uh, the judges picked three, three that really kind of showed and exemplified the type of extraordinary measures that schools have gone through. And today I have Sean Beckus. Sean is the network uh, administrator at Navajo Preparatory School in Northwest New Mexico. Uh, and I also have uh, Emily Holland. Emily is with Kajit. Uh, they were the sponsoring uh, company um, that got us in contact with Sean and with Navajo. So uh, both of you, welcome to Innovations in Education. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, glad to be here. Sean, let's get started. Uh, I, I was mentioning that there are a certain number of things that have become crystal clear as a result of this pandemic. Uh, the one first and foremost is that every student, no matter where they are, it's understood now that they need access to the internet as well as a device, as well as some, uh, some tutoring, as well as how to use it. It's not just enough just to have the, the access. I've spent many years at ed tech conferences talking about the theory of digital equity, talking about the theories about getting kids connected and, and, and its importance. Uh, it just became a very, very stark reality in, in March 2020. I think the story that uh, Navajo Prep talks about uh, in terms of making that concept a reality is, is, is really, really strong. So maybe can you start off and tell us a little bit about the school? Uh, and uh, you know, when it comes to talking about rural access to the Internet, I think you guys might take the prize there, right, <laughs> where you're located. <laughs> talk, yeah. talk a little bit about your setup. Okay, so so basically Navajo Prep has been on, and I'm kind of reading off our vision and our our mission here, so make sure I get all our history right. Yeah. Um, I've, I've actually been here less than two years in this current position. Um, I worked for a different school district for about 13 years before I I switched over here to Navajo Prep. So Navajo Prep's kind of in um, we're located in Farmington, New Mexico, which is northwest New Mexico, kind of on the the border, the eastern border of the Navajo Reservation, which kind of um, goes into Arizona, parts of Utah. You know, it's it's a big big area. Um, established in 1991 um, under Navajo Nation Corporation Code as a nonprofit organization. So, 82 acre school. Um, we're basically under, we're basically classified as a grant school with federal funding pursuant to legislative sanction by the Navajo Nation. So, so that, that's kind of where we come from. And um, we, are, we do have um, residential halls on 
here on our campus for students. Um, they make up a good majority of our student body here. Um, we also have day students, which um, they come in from the, uh, the towns that are kind of nearby here. Um, so basically when I started here, it was in November of 2019. So the, the you know, the timing was kind of an odd one for me really because, you know, yeah. starting, a, starting a new job, you know, for a few months and then kind of getting, getting that thrown at you with this pandemic, which was really, you know, nobody really had seen something like that. So, you know, so back to our students, um, our students basically come over, uh, most of them were over 90, 90, I think over 90% Navajo students come all from all over the Navajo reservation. So, you know, Arizona, and, you know, they do stay here in the residential dorms. And then at that time we were busing them back like every Friday. Um, we did since move to um, offer seven day residential program so we can keep our students here all week if we if we need to now so the the parents don't have to struggle to try to you know pick up our their students every Friday now so so that that's good so we've, we've made those changes so basically when I started here you know it, it seems like Navajo Prep's always been a little ahead of the curve technology wise um, even when I when I started here we were already giving out um, hotspots to the students you know we were we were making them available at that time. And I believe a lot of the students weren't even taking advantage of it because a lot of our stuff was still in boxes. You know, I'd say 25% of our hotspots were actually given out. And our student population usually hovers around, I'd say 260 to 290 students every school year. Um, so at that time, that that's what the number was, you know, and, um, when uh, March of 2020 hit, we were a lot of, just like a lot of other school districts, we, we weren't ready for it. Um, we did have an existing one-to-one -one laptop program here, which was probably like a year old at that time. Um, the, technolo the technology that the students had, you know, apart from the hotspot, which was just tied to one cellular vendor, you know, our, our students had outdated laptops really um, the laptops that we had previously previously bought were already underpowered, I think, when we bought them. So, so that that was really our struggle was really to try to replace the laptops plus get connectivity to these students, you know, during during that time. So, so when March of 2020 hit, we we basically gave out all the hotspots on campus right during um, spring break, basically after our spring break, which is the, it was like the last week of March in um, 2020. Um, after that, we were basically shut down for, for a year, you know, so really that was our last week and we didn't know it then to, to give, make sure all our laptops were working to give out all our, our cellular hotspots. So, you know, we set up in the cafeteria here and we made sure the students at least took home our, our hotspot you know, and made sure their laptops were working. So we kind of, um, really still like a lot of school we struggle to finish the school year like that you know just trying to get those hotspots running with the laptops you know with the cell service on the Navajo Nation of course is really really spotty to say the to say the least you know <laughs> it's, it's yeah just, yeah yeah I mean I, I heard a lot of stories about IT directors hopping in the cars and going mm -hmm. around their districts and handing those things out give us a little bit of a scope <laughs> 
of what that means when you're driving around where your students are. It's a, it's a little yeah. bit of a different scale, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so basically our students, you know, um, I, I guess Emily's from Arizona, you know, basically the reservation goes all the way up to almost the Flagstaff over there in kind of central Arizona, which is almost a four, I think it's a four hour drive from where we're at, you know, across the, the whole desert landscape there. So, and then, you know, we had students all the way in, um, in Albuquerque, in Cuba, you know, all these far reaching places that, you know, some of them lived in canyons, you know, where, where we, you know, there was really, really spotty silk coverage to say the least. So we had to really reach out and figure out the first thing we had to do was really figure out where these students were because, you know, even as much improvements we've made on the reservation, we still don't really have something as simple as like a postal address, you know, pretty much all our students, we get our mail from peel boxes. So that's the only addresses that we really have. So we really had to dive in there and try to get um, GPS coordinated for a lot of these students just to try to find where they're at so we could figure out what cell service would work best for them. So we, we kind of had to gather, gather that data first and, uh, you know, do our, our drive out. So we, we really didn't start um, improving the cell stuff probably till after that school year ended. Um, it's probably the summer of 2020. We, um, we, um, we signed up with uh, like Khajiit here. We, we looked to buy um, hotspots. And of course, Khajiit was probably one of the, the top searches that come up when you look for student hotspots is Khajiit. So I kind of did some reading about them and I saw that they did multiple um, cellular vendors, um, Verizon, AT&T and T-Mobile. Um, at that time in 2020, when COVID hit, all we had was T-Mobile hotspots. Um, so that, that kind of extended it to Verizon and AT&T. So we, we, um, we put it in our budget to buy um, with CARES Act to make sure we get, you know, a certain pool of Verizons, a certain pool of AT&Ts and um, T-Mobile. So during that, the following school year, we made sure to reach out to the students to get them um, GPS locations and to talk with, um, talk with them and their parents and figure out what cellular service works best where they live, you know, because they're, they would know better than anyone, you know, what, what works best in, in their area. So yeah, we did talk, that and we, yep. Yeah, talk a little bit about um, that, that transition to where, I mean, it sounded like, you know, your, your network setup was on campus, right? I mean, that, that there was yep. little to none sort of remote. And so you went from that to completely remote to where you now had new IT staff, which was uh, mom or dad or a guardian or an adult or somebody um, who had to physically kind of manage the technology in these remote locations, uh, you know, in the kids' houses. Talk a little bit about how that changed uh, the scope of your work. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so that's how you put it, you put it the best way there. So basically our campus network basically extended all the way into Arizona now into the other states. So we had to support all those, all those areas now because we, we were based, we were, our staff was working remote too at that time. So we were all working from home. Um, so all the students had their, their hotspots and their laptops at home, of course. And, you know, there were still at that time, you know, the kids were, the kids really helped a lot. I think they really, they really, um, they really did all they could to try to, to meet us halfway to try to, you know, 
get through it to finish up that school year really you know um they would we had reports some kids were you know going on top of their houses just to get a cellular signal with those hotspots just to download emails just to upload their homework you know or they would they would drive out to the the dirt road where the the highway actually is to try to find that signal where they could send an email or download a message or whatever they needed to do for school and you know we still had some students where we had to um send out flash drives and you know we were back to the old sneaker net days sneaker net, yeah you know, there was just some situations where we couldn't push software you know we we had to deploy software which over their connection you know basically on the low end you know some of these kids were getting i'd say one half a meg probably up to two megs with those um those initial devices that we had so you know we did all we could you know the the teachers were still used learning to use zoom you know the kids were learning to use zoom you know a lot of them had to do the video off and they had to call in just to get the audio because you know once we started rolling with that and we kind of got it working to where they could do some class you know we got hit by all the uh the data caps on all the cellular devices so that slowed it down even more so it was just really you know we fix one problem and another one comes up and we just had to keep keep rolling with it so as as our team you know we were working from home so you know our, our cell phones were blowing up and we're just really giving live support to the students and the staff you know and we did at that point i don't think we really did any um driving at that point because um the navajo nation was on complete lockdown so um basically there was a curfew you couldn't um be i think it was like it closed like around seven at night you know they didn't want anybody on the roads at all so that that didn't help us either with the students trying to get um wi-fi and you know going to the roads um they did have um i believe at that time the chapter houses started offering wi-fi you know just for the kids so, you know, kids, the parents could bring their kids and, you know, do homework. Right. It's like that. So and, they, and this isn't a thing where they were like living online. They were actually just going to almost not completely asynchronous, but not completely synchronous. Like it was just go do a download, do the stuff, go back, upload it. Right. I mean, this no. is not, we're not talking about always on access here. Mm-hmm. Yep. At that point, we, we weren't, we weren't totally on with a lot of our, I'd say that we probably still had out, out of our say 280, 290 students, I'd say we still probably had around 60 that were really having those problems where they weren't even getting a, a signal where they had to, you know, they had to drive to the the road, you know, through the mud. Cause yeah. you know, this yeah. was still this was still in the, the winter and I think it was still snowing at that time. So they would drive through the mud try to get a cell phone signal so they can upload their homework. You know, they put it on flash drives. And um, at that time too, we were um, delivering food to them with our um, our food services department was delivering food to the students. So we would, um, if we needed to deliver a flash drive or other equipment, or if we had to swap out laptops that were broken, you know, they were, they were really our lifeline to deliver those, those school bus drivers you know they would sit there and they would exchange the stuff and you know yeah the students and swap hot spots out so they they were really doing that part for us too at that time so it's like mobile mobile it support as well as uh food deliveries like one yeah. shop shop that's pretty cool now yeah. let me ask you this i mean 
So these are all innovations that came out of the chaos, right? I mean, it, it came out of just this complete madness that we had to go through. Are these things that you think that you will keep in place now? I mean, see, even if, you know, if and hopefully when we go back to normal, um, is this remote network setup something that you think that will, you will continue? I mean, that you're finding enough benefit out of it that it's worthwhile? Yeah, I think so. You know, um, after last school year, you know, after the initial spring, we, you know, we did, we did have the Khajiit stuff. We, um, we reached out to a lot of the other cellular vendors on the, on the Navajo reservation. You know, some of them had their own proprietary cellular, cellular stuff. So we, we did buy a lot of that. Um, we, we mounted the um, cellular antennas on some of the student houses that were still picking up a decent enough signal, but not good enough for video. So we, we did go out to those remote sites and install um, cellular repeaters and antennas on the rooftops so they could at least zoom. So a, lo a lot of that stuff, you know, we did kind of see the benefits of it. So when we, we rolled out this school year, we, we, did, we were able to do on-campus learning, which is what we're doing now. Um, we are still offering remote, remote students um, classes. Um, at that point last year too, we did in, install um, video conference equipment in all our teacher classrooms on campus. So they're all able to, um, to pull up um, HD video, you know, there's microphone arrays and uh, nice speakers. So the students that are remote can hear and see the classroom, you know, just like if they're, if they're there. So all, all that stuff's all ready to go. And I, I'm pretty sure we're still gonna, you know, we're gonna keep it. We gave out all the same hotspots to the students that they had last year's. So they, they have them available for all the remote stuff. Um, even if they're um, on campus or if they're a residential student here, we, we still made sure they, they have it available to them, you know, just, just in case really for this year. But I, I think going forward, we'll probably for sure still have that, you know, make it available for them so that we're, they're always connected now. Yeah. And, I, and I found um, in, in other conversations with other districts, uh, finding a use in terms of communication with, with parents. Uh, specifically one-to-one -one when it comes to, um, you know, guidance counseling, uh, mental health, uh, special education, where everyone complains about the Zooms, but, and as a parent myself, I would much rather have a five-minute conversation with, with a, a teacher about a certain issue with a student versus taking two and a half hours, or in, in your case, eight and a half hours <laughs> to drive back yeah. and forth, right? So that's great. Well, Emily, let me ask you this. Um, you know, Khajiit has um, thousands of customers and thousands of schools and districts. But what was it about Navajo that prompted Khajiit to, to nominate them for this award? Uh, well, I mean, you know, as you've heard, it's, it's kind of an extraordinary, uh, an extraordinary case, or I would say above and beyond. <laughs> and I think um, what prompted it for us was that it, it it taught us to be better and smarter uh, kind of upfront. You know, we are, we're used to working with schools who have, uh, I'll say rural connectivity issues, but you know, when Sean says rural, he means it. <laughs> so, um, you know, so for us being carrier agnostic is where, um, you know, if you have T-Mobile and T-Mobile doesn't work, we want to be able to support significantly more students than that. Um, so being able to offer them the multi-carriers was helpful. But for us, then it, it is also the same challenge of, um, 
where you are, what's going to work, what kind of other technologies we can help you with. Um, so smart buses versus <laughs> smart spots. Um, you know, just making sure that we are able to connect in as many ways as possible, as many students as possible. Um, so I think for us, what we found um, was if we're going to be working with any kind of uh, Native American nation is to kind of send an upfront testing kit um, so that we can help people make the, the best decisions upfront and we're not delaying any kind of technology or connectivity down the line. Um, so being able to provide somebody upfront with a Verizon hotspot, a T-Mobile hotspot, uh, which is also now Sprint hotspot, um, AT&T, um, what will roam onto any existing uh, towers that are within the reservation, and also then um, the ability to supply routers to a home if we need to. So just being able to provide upfront help um, that can solve technology issues before, you know, the back end of, you know, well, I had T-Mobile and it didn't work and maybe we can swap this out. And um, so just finding um, kind of upfront ways to be as all encompassing as we can so that we can help quickly resolve problems. So I think it was also, you know, what Sean taught us <laughs> about how to be better at what we were doing and, and how to do that quickly. <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's, it's an amazing story. Um, it really is, I think, a case study for other districts, especially in rural areas um, in terms of making those connections. Because again, I mean, I would go to these conferences and they would say, well, the, the technology just isn't there. Um, Sean, from what it sounds like, the technology is there. You just have to go out and, and well, pay for it. <laughs> That's a little thing. But then also just and, and put it up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And what um, and that would be like good idea what Emily's talking about, kind of like a test kit to send out. Um, you know, what we kind of did since we did all the work, you know, we I've started to put um, maps together where, you know, so we kind of know based on the student's GPS location, what what cellular vendor is going to work best in their area. So we're kind of building those maps because there's really nothing centralized that exists really for, for the Navajo reservation area and the other outline areas. Um, you know, you can kind of look at the coverage maps that they offer online. Not real accurate, you know, but but it's kind of a start. So we're kind of starting to build that. So that would be something nice to have, especially like with Khajiit where they could tell, okay, they're in this location. So this is what's gonna work best. And if not, we could try this. So we're, we, we kind of have those maps kind of in the initial phase where we um, kind of just recording our speeds, our carriers, what's working in these areas. So hopefully have something accurate that we can maybe even share with the, um, with the rest of the tribe, you know, even yeah. with the other tribal schools. Yeah. That's fantastic. Well, um, Sean, thank you for your time and, and for your insights and for your work. Uh, it really is, um, a, a, this was a positive conversation because not only does it see that you're able to keep the kids working, but you are creating methods um, that Kajit can use and folks who are listening to this conversation can use and I think uh, partnered with a lot of the, the CARES Act money that's coming through and a renewed attention to the importance of having broadband access um, that really maybe we can make some 
take advantages of, of, of this disaster uh, going forward. So thank you for your time. And Emily, thank you for, for participating in the program. Thank you to Kajit for supplying these technologies. And it sounds like um, this is also a great case study for how industry can work with education to, to get stuff done. So thank you both for, for uh, joining me today on, on innovation and education. Thank you. Thank you.